9: Scalpel. Tweezers. Tweezers. Ham sandwich. Ham what? Sandwich. I was going to eat lunch when I got my oil changed earlier, but take five is so fast I didn't have time.
10: But sir, you can't eat during surgery.
9: Eh, one bite won't hurt. Mm. Ooh.
7: Whoops. Uh, n- napkin.
10: Napkin!
7: At take five, your oil change is faster than you think. Take five, the stay-in-your-car ten-minute oil change.
2: This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia.
8: Tony B. welcoming you to another edition. It's Tuesday, and I welcome you in. Hope you're having a good one. On this Tuesday, we are, no matter where you are, no matter where we are, we've got a lot to get into today, very little time to get there. Of course, we've had a, I don't even know what you would call that over the weekend, but Matt Dixon's here like a small Sampler, platter of college football, too soon to draw determination in terms of what we saw and how it's going to impact the sport that we love, which uh, college football numero uno, numero uno, numero uno, numero uno, of course, baseball this time of the year when your team's pretty good like my sillies are, is pretty fun, so... But uh, college football is numero uno, numero uno, numero uno, numero uno, numero uno. And never numero do. But we've got a lot to talk about today. Very little time to get there. Matt Dixon, uh, in your humble opinion, we're off to a good start in the college football season. Your thoughts on uh, what we saw in Week Seven?
9: was very below average, but it' was still the start of the season, so it's yep. a nice little- nice little warm up kind of really a kind of a preseason week if we want to view it that way mm-hmm. so we'll get get it get it really started on Thursday.
8: Mm-hmm. let me get this thing out of here we got a little hum in this thing homming a humming a, humming a I think that's better yeah Thursday's game is gonna be fun man. This Florida thing's gonna be really interesting, isn't it?
9: Yeah, they, you know, I think with the, with the healthy Cam Rising, out, I would pick Utah to win pretty convincingly, and I'd probably he'll probably play if I had if I had to guess he'll, he'll probably get cleared late this week and play, but you don't know how effective he's going to be, especially running, and then you kind of. Kind of going to be a sloppy game, I would guess, a low-scoring kind of field position game. Um, I, I don't know. Utah's third quarterback—that's probably about equivalent to what Graham Mertz is. So that gives Florida a definite, definite chance.
8: It's hard to believe that Florida could could have fallen that far. You know, that that they've got the worst quarterback in the league, according to. Blake Topmeyer, who's not doing that for clicks and giggles. Think about that for a second. I mean, they might have the worst quarter. Now, Now maybe he goes and balls out this year. Maybe he's a nice player. Who knows? You never know about any of this stuff. You really don't. I thought it was interesting yesterday that uh, Josh Heupel is sort of playing the game with um, Cooper Mays. Does he do that, Matt? All year, basically, till he plays. Which the belief around the program is he's going to be out past Florida. Just Josh Heupel, they're not going to announce he's out indefinitely, are they? They're just not going to do that, right?
9: Well, if you didn't this week, I I don't know why you would like next week or the week after, unless it turns into, you know, worst case scenario, and it's like some season type deal. You wouldn't. I mean, there's no no reason to announce anything now if, if you didn't this week. So would he just, be
11: eligible to come back if he doesn't say? Worst case scenario, he doesn't play. Would he be eligible to
8: come back next year? I don't know. Brian. It's a great question. I think he's only a junior anyway. There you go. I think I think that's right. So the answer is: Could he get another year in addition to that? Sure, I guess. If that's the case spitballing off the top, but I don't think that's gonna be the that's gonna be an issue, Bri. That's not that's not what I'm hearing. I'm just hearing they're they're wanting to let this thing heal and him to get to where he needs to be before they put him out there and before, you know, he, he goes out there. Um what do you make of all the oars, Matt, on
9: Tennessee's depth chart? I I don't put hardly any stock into a depth chart. The co- I mean the coach probably hadn't even, probably has yet to even see it, so I just don't put much into those. So no. you just kind of everybody plays the game this time of year with being coy and you know everything's a top level clearance secret. Yep.
10: Yep. You
2: know who
9: the who the backup right tackle is. Nobody can no you can't let that out. Otherwise, you might have a huge disadvantage in game one. So.
8: And the truth Thanks. is there literally are no secrets. What do you guys make of the fact that there are so many tickets available in the secondary market, like hundreds of them, down in Nashville on Saturday? What are we to make of that? I just think it's an early game, it's going to be kind of hottish.
9: But the ticket prices are absurd.
11: Yeah, and then you're not
9: going to pay that much. It's just, so just and, ridiculous. And for
11: game that's supposed to be not even close. four touchdown favorite, four touchdown
8: line. When you say ticket prices are absurd, they're only like seventy to get in, though seventy nine to get in or whatever. At the top of the stadium, is that a is that highly expensive, Matt?
9: On what? Well, I thought the cheapest I saw last night was ninety one, and that's before all the the fees and they. You know all that all that crap that when you push it over a hundred per ticket. So,
8: so what what is the, the what is the the fee price like on a ticket? Walk me through that. You say you buy like the one I saw was like seventy nine. If I paid seventy nine, then what are, what are my fees by the time I get done with these people who don't print a ticket? They don't uh, mail me any tickets. They don't have anybody in the booth handling tickets like they used to back in the day. So what? What am I paying fees for? What is that?
9: You're probably looking at at least, I'd say 140. What? It's a Ponzi scheme. Like, it's all Ponzi scheme. It's yeah. It's, I wish Ticketmaster would would get caught in like some FBI investigation. I hate that. Like all the just the ticket price. It's just absurd to do that to fans. I mean, yeah. well, it's probably like twenty percent.
8: I don't understand. And, how they those sites can justify that when they don't even handle your tickets like if you were going to tell me okay somebody physically is sitting there making you know 18 or 20 dollars an hour and they're going to handle tickets and this is what we're going to do and okay fine okay fine but you're going to sit there and tell me that you've got a computer deal and you're transferring tickets to me through a computer program that's already been set up i mean what why am i paying you don't well, to mail me the tickets i guess
11: i guess the price of the tickets going to whoever put the tick up on the on there well obviously that brian but what about the, hand? the rest of it the rest of it yeah the rest of it they got to get their shirt thirty
9: dollars for a ticket? Well don't don't forget about UT's kickback from Ticketmaster. That that well, they get a percentage of it. And that is what
8: well, I'm not going to get too far into that, but that is one of the things they're doing now. Um I don't want to get in trouble here. Um Adam Sparks Matt asked an astute question of Josh Heipel that I talked about in the blog today, which is because Sparks knows what I know, what you know, what we all know, which is Tennessee's one of have a different center in the game on Saturday. And he asked him, is execution or tempo top priority for the offense in the opener? Execution or tempo, Matt? And it's a great question.
9: What's the answer? Yeah, well, I, it, it's always execution. Um, but you, you would like the tempo to be good. But you know the first game with you know a bunch of new pieces um, and kind of a smashing it up front. um, You know if we listen to you, we're not even sure Tennessee has five linemen to to field out there for the first snap. So you gotta gotta have gotta gotta execute before you can before you can have tempo. Mm. Those of you
8: scoring at home, that's cheap shot one. Leveled at me. I'm sure before today shows over, I will be blamed for the new rules in college football, the uh, revamped playoff system which they're revisiting. I'm sure that's my fault. I didn't do it on the offensive line, Matt. I, I we simply talk about it here. I didn't do it. We simply talk about it. But if you want to um, have a swing at the messenger, go for it. It's uh, your dime, your dance floor, your world, I'm living in it today. On the other side, Danger Dan joins the latest from um, Inside Tennessee World. His thoughts on this matchup. Is there anything to be concerned about this weekend? Anything, any reason to think? How about Matt, as we get closer to it, do you have any reason to have any kind of like trepidation this weekend, any kind of fear? Or is this still a rollover game for you, just a complete mass job?
9: Uh, I, I think it's a game Tennessee can win comfortably playing a seed-level type game. I just Virginia just doesn't have any offense.
8: Agreed. Although, what if Musket comes out and he's just firing the ball all over the place? Which, again, year-to-year, year, college football, this guy might, you know, a star might be born Saturday. Who the hell knows? I mean, that's the thing about this. It's... Uh, Although nothing really out of the ordinary happened Saturday. By the way, guys, I got an email that we'll talk about later on. Vandy Joe wants his lunch, Matt, because he says the crowd was 21,000 Saturday night. He's believing the official attendance. If they have a 28,000 capacity, Joe, and you think there was Was 21,000 there, you're out of your mind. I don't care whether he was there or not. There was about 11,000 people there. George Plaster, 20,000. 20,000. At any rate, Danger Dan joins. Uh, later on, Killer Kowalski is going to join us. I want to talk to him about the new rules and totals. The unders were 4 and 3 in the first seven. I wonder how long it's going to take the books to recalibrate to the reality in college football that it's going to be harder to put up a lot of points. And you're also, with these new rules, going to create games where, which I think this is a good thing, where teams can force Tennessee into games where they have to score when they get the ball, where they can play keep away from them. If they're able to execute, keep away. they, they got to score quickly, you know, like a 50-yard TD or something. They can't, if they want to run away from somebody. Well, under the old rules you got more cracks at it, theoretically. Although, what they're saying through seven games was it was just a couple play difference. It wasn't all that big of a deal. Now, maybe that's not how it plays out. Maybe as we get used to the rules, maybe it plays out differently. But we'll see what happens. In the meantime... We've got you. you've got us. Let's do this thing on a Tuesday. It's a little uh, inclement here. It's a little cool outside. The weather's kind of broken this week. They're calling for pretty <laughs> feels, feels good. Yeah, it feels great. It's like um like Matt's laughing cause literally it's like eighty gonna be like eighty seven or eighty eight here today or whatever. It feels
9: insanely great. insane. yeah, i'm I'm old last night and didn't feel like I was about to die halfway through. Yeah.
8: And it was a million yesterday here, compared to what it usually is. But after what we just went through, like I was outside yesterday afternoon hitting my heavy bag, and Laura's like, aren't you, uh, aren't you hot? And I'm like, no, not compared to what I was over the weekend. Playing music out and that stuff, standing for six, seven hours, loading in, loading out. I don't want to bore you with that. Let's continue on the other side. Danger Dan after this.
9: This is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. The Chicken
7: Man, a.k.a. T-Willy, and you're listening to 101.7 FM, WKOM, Columbia, Tennessee.
2: Alert! Alert!
1: Hello, it's me, Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. July reminds me of red, white, and blue. If you were born in July, your birthstone is the ruby. King of the precious stones, for its rarity, hardness, second only to diamonds. We have a beautiful collection from earrings to rings, modern, and antique. If you were born in July, we'll take 10% off your purchase. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram.
6: Automobile Keys is a local, family-owned and operated car key programming business. Whether you need a smart key, switchblade key, key fob, transponder key, or just a basic car key replacement, we're your best choice for affordable, programmable replacement keys in minutes. Give us a call at 615-878-9087 or visit our website at automobilekeys.com. You can email us at cody at automobilekeys.com. Automobile Keys is a proud sponsor of Whitthorn Middle School Football. Come by our van out front after the game and say hello. Go Tigers! Are you ready for some good old family fun? Don't miss the Murray County Fair. Coming back to Murray County Park from August 31st to September 4th. Finish the summer with an extra special time at the Murray County Fair. You'll find a free kids zone. The jump and run events will pay $12,000 in prizes, rodeo air, livestock shows, and much more. It's all the things you love all together at the Murray County Fair. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Murray County Fair and Expo to check out all the events. We'll see you at the fair from August 31st to September 4th.
3: This is Ross and you are listening to Front porch radio wKom 101.7 located in Columbia, Tennessee.
8: TB back with you 865205402 I give that. I give that uh, I give that number out out of reflex. but uh, Brian do we know if Danger Dan has settled on 10 wins or 11 wins for the Vols this year? He, he
11: picks him to go eleven, and he picks him to go eleven and one, losing only to George.
8: He is the ultimate. You talk about a guy whose cup runneth over, and who might argue? Last year, he was the lone blue eyes crying in the rain. Last year, great country song. He was the lone guy. When he saw your smiling face, he had to smile his, himself because he loves Josh Heupel. They go 11-1 and one with that team. That's coach of the century. Century. Not year. Not decade. Century. And we'll see what happens. Tomorrow, a guy we're going to join be joined by is Kevin Brockway down in Gainesville. That game Thursday is so interesting and curious. And as bad as week zero was, week one is going to be pretty darn good this week, Matt, in college football. This is going to be a lot of fun this week. This is uh from the fr- frying pan into the fire now. There aren't as many like the standalone matchups. Did you guys see where Clemson and Duke is the Monday night game? That's a far cry from Florida State and LSU to the living, breathing college football fans. Surely that's not the only game on Labor Day,
9: is it, Bry? isn't that isn't Florida State LSU yeah, Sunday is. game?
8: And that's the L- it's yeah. Sunday, yes. But why not a good game on what is college football doing? Why not a good game on Monday? I don't know.
11: Well, they want to, they want to make sure to show Klybnik's parents every chance they get to where everybody can see them and not just have them as one game that's on at the same time as many others.
8: What's the line in that game? Why would you put a game on national television? Well, Duke is actually pretty good. They had a nice season
11: under for Elko, and I think they're supposed to be at least middle of the pack this year. Look that ACC line up. That's got
8: to be a 14-point line. Two-touchdown game in primetime. That's not as absurd as what ESPN did Saturday night, but it's getting there. It's kind of getting there. It's weird. It's weird that was the only game. I don't know. You would think that they would be able to do. It's a thirteen-point line. There you go. There you go. Not
11: bad. That's not. Bad. You know. That's not. That's not as that is like a blowout type.
8: No. Two touchdowns? Matt, take a position statement. What do you believe in terms of um, 20,000 or no, Saturday night down there at the Vanderbilt game?
9: Position statement. Uh, they, no, they didn't have 20,000 in attendance. Sorry, so. Joe.
8: Sorry, Joe. You and Matt sold me. that
9: many tickets. But.
8: Listen, Matt's on me like like uh white on rice right now. I mean, he's he's in my face today and going to be probably for the full program cuz he was on my in my face off the air. But here's the thing, Joe, even Matt today who's coming in here it's generally not physical between us. It might get physical for today's over. It's generally verbal. Joe, you had about 11,000. Joe, Joe Joe, couldn't wait to text me today, Bri. I mean, email me. Shot me this elaborate email. I'll put it over up on tclub.team tomorrow to laugh a little bit at it. This elaborate thing about how he was right and I was wrong and I can what I can do with it and blah, blah, blah. Joe, you had 11,000 people. Joe, the... Joe, the Michigan Panthers and the Philadelphia Stars of the USFL this year had more people in Canton, Ohio, than you had in your game. What are you talking about? You had a scoreboard, Billy Derrick, hanging from a crane in the end zone. What is he talking about? 865-200-5402. 865 200 Okay, i, I got to do this myself. Let's see how this is going to work. This is what we do around here. Matt, will I connect, yes
9: or no? Uh, not on the first try, no.
8: All right, this is endearing to some people. Some people call this unprofessional. Some people call it endearing. Have it your way. Hello? Danger Dan, welcome in, brother. How I'll you be. doing?
9: I'm doing first well. First week upset.
8: Danger Dan, our first upset of the football season has occurred. Uh, I got you in two rings. You of volswire.com. Uh, hanging tight, breaking it down scientifically, moving right to left across my device and through my vertical hold. Hey, Dan Harrelson, the last time we had you on. You couldn't figure out whether the Vols were going to be nine and three, ten and two, or eleven and one. Let's go through the games and you, you give me your verdict. Are you ready?
4: Yeah, I, I will say that nine and three actually never crossed my mind. Either ten and two or eleven and one. Well, yeah, okay. But
8: it, it crossed Matt Dixon's mind. Matt Dixon's been raining on our parade all morning, so I just wanted to get that in there, just for the record here. All right, uh, Danger Dan, talk to me here. Virginia game, how do you see it going?
4: Yeah, I think right now I can see maybe like a 45-13 type game. I think Tennessee will play at a high level in this game, and I I just don't think Virginia's any good. So I think Tennessee should cover, and uh, I guess that game should go over also.
8: Cover and the over. I'm going to tell Killer Kowalski that uh, you you were red hot last year. Um,
4: okay. But the sometimes, yeah. Sometimes these games one or the other hit, and it's usually spot on. So sometimes you don't see both, like Tennessee cover and it goes over. It's, for whatever reason, sometimes you see a lot of one or the other. I know that is weird, right? Yeah, and it's usually spot on when it does hit. Like it's around that half-point line if there is one.
8: Florida game in three weeks, Dan. We get a look at them tomorrow night. What is your sense? Obviously, this is off sight unseen. We're just having fun here on the air. Volswire.com, Tennessee's camp is over. Dan Harrelson was there for all of it. What's your feeling yeah, right now on that deal? Uh,
4: yeah, Florida, I think Tennessee should win that game. But like you said, Thursday, we'll, we'll get a dose of Florida at Utah. Florida may actually win that game if Utah is banged up as uh, some reports are out there, especially at the quarterback position. But it should be a physical game. But I do like Tennessee to, to get the win. But Graham Mertz could be interesting just because we, we've seen the likes of Hendon Hooker and some other quarterbacks that may – not have had success at the prior school. Maybe he finds something at Florida. I don't know. i still like Tennessee in this game. Well,
8: what's, what's your inkling in terms of a score? Let's have some fun here.
4: Oh, wow. Well, for that one, um, I, I think they can get close to 40, so maybe like 30. Kind of like last year, 38, uh, maybe 24, something like that, 20.
8: Wow. Matt, what would this place be like if Tennessee went down there and beat that team 38-20 to 20 in Gainesville? How high would people be on our magical coach at that point? If we went down there and beat them 18 points, Matt. Uh,
9: I, I think there'd be a lot of fans who would be in that 11-1, 10-2 top. That'd be the expectation at that point, I think. I mean, it's one
8: thing to go down there and win, you know, on a last-second field goal or whatever. You go down there and blow those guys out, Dan, and all of a sudden you're cooking with grease, moving along. Uh, Brian, next up on the schedule is a San Antonio who, Dan, like me, because Dan watches the sport, believes that they're a lot better than people think they're going to be. That's kind of a sneaky game on Tennessee's schedule because you have to deal with whatever happens at Florida, and you have to deal with it rather quickly. Dan Harrelson, you on the TLD Logistics Hotline, presented by our friends at TLDLogistics.com, also bring us our TLD Logistics Overtime segment. A Danger Dan, what say you on the San Antonio game at this point?
4: Yeah, they are a good team. Went 11 and 3 last year. Well coached by Coach Trailer there. Uh, offensive uh, returning starters, they have eight back. They also have eight back on the defensive side. But I just think Josh Heupel has this program where they can win games like this. Uh, I, I think you'll start to see a lot of that SDC speed and offense alignment and, and defense alignment in the trenches really spark. I think it could be uh, in the 40s, maybe like 45. To, uh, Maybe another twenty top game. I think San Antonio may be able to move the ball. Um, could be late a little bit, but maybe like 45-20 around that score.
8: All right, Danger Dan. Next that would be up, South Carolina's Carolina. the South Carolina
4: Gamecocks. Yeah, I, I think Tennessee's all in on this. Uh, a the schedule works out that way. We can go all in, have an off week, then host A and but I think it's also championship week where they will honor, I think it's the 98 team and maybe also Eric Berry. Uh, so they're they're going to have a ton of former players back. I, I think they're very well focused for this game and obviously want revenge. Uh, I, I think they'll, they'll win it. I would not be surprised if they put up 50 plus uh, against Carolina. And plus, I don't like how they went from Satterfield to an NFL type coach. Uh, it's very, very interesting to, to do that when you have some success, especially late last year. Uh, but that's the bed that he's made with his team for this season. Uh, I, I think they can get in the 50s, and, and who knows, Rattler may, may be able to get to the upper 20s, lower 30s in this contest. Where do you
8: have Rattler ranked in, in your when you look at the field of quarterbacks in the uh, in the Southeastern Conference? Where do you have Rattler?
4: I would probably put. I haven't done a ranking or anything, but I would probably put him about seven, eight, around those lines, just because he's he's really not proven. He didn't do anything at Oklahoma. Uh, it took him a little bit to get started at South Carolina, but we all know the dynamic of the uh, Tennessee game last year. If if you didn't have locker room stuff going on that week, uh, I, I don't think he's has a. You know, a lot of headlines uh, surrounding him going into this year. I
8: Well, that's true. Matt, last year he's all you heard about. And he has this polarizing thing about him, Rattler does. I don't know whether it's the way he looks or the way things went at Oklahoma. But he does. Have... Matt, where do you have Rattler when you look at him? Across the rest of the league?
9: Uh I think, well, at least going into the year, I'd probably have him maybe in the four to six range. Definitely in the top half, um, because I I do think it's kind of a down year um, for quarterbacks, at least entering the season. So I I would have him in the top half, but definitely not at the top. Um, I I don't know. There's just something off-putting about him. I don't know if it's his demeanor or it just doesn't seem like he rallies his team very well. Um, on the sidelines or, or even on on the field, but I also don't think that he was used very well last year at South Carolina. I mean, their offense was terrible uh, for you know, like ten games. Um, and I mean, he he did beat Clemson too after 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 the Tennessee games, and they looked pretty decent against Notre Dame. So I I don't think it was just a one deal or one game thing against Tennessee. They they their offense was better down the stretch, but I I think their offensive line is really bad this year.
8: Yeah, what's weird is they had that really good close to the season, and then they had like an exodus in the transfer portal. And you would have thought, if anything, that would have been unifying to them, you know, to knock Tennessee off the playoff track, to defeat Clemson, to play the way they did against Notre Dame in their bowl game. I mean, a whole lot of things. And then, and then you saw some folks walk out the door on them. Dan, which was really strange with South Carolina's program, that sometimes the portal era just doesn't make any sense.
4: Right. No, I, I, I totally agree with, with that. Uh, I think, I mean, looking at South Carolina, they added 11 transfers. I mean, it, but you're looking at a lot of teams, you know, just south of 10, uh, over 10. That's just the new normal in this, uh, in this landscape of adding players to the roster.
8: Moving along, Texas A&M's a little bit of an enigma, uh, uh, and... and... They bear watching because one of our themes this year coming into the season is by the time a and gets here, which is pretty close to the midway point of the, of the regular season, will Jimbo Fisher and the offensive coordinator be on good terms? What do you make of it, Dan? You know a lot of folks in the coaching profession. Those are two hard people individuals, to say the least, two ego guys in the in, in the profession, H- how are they going to jibe?
4: Well, if they do make it work, there could be a, a small chance. I mean, at minimum, five and one coming into Neal Stadium. But they they actually could be 6-0 and oh, having an undefeated matchup with Tennessee. Obviously, they do host Alabama, which they beat Alabama two years ago at home. Uh, they they if they get everything in sync and, and they work things out with Petrino and Jimbo Fisher, who knows? I mean, they're they have the most returning letterman uh, on par with uh, Georgia, both with fifty four. A and M's got ten starters back on the offense and defense side of the ball. They've added fifteen transfers. I mean, the roster looks good. And I believe they announced uh, Wegman will be the quarterback yesterday, and they've kind of been high on him. So yeah, Jimbo can just allow this to work. You know, five and one, six and zero going into, into Newland Stadium. Yeah,
8: probably realistically five and one, which still makes this a very compelling football game from your perspective. Uh, yeah, we're uh, going to be over, by the way, pregame, playing Austin Collins. Uh, my band will be playing his uh, tailgate. Pictures at 11. We're actually going to be out there setting up Church Street United Methodist parking lot. Make for a long day for me. But go ahead, um, Go ahead, Bri. What were you saying? Well, I think uh, the last time
11: Tennessee played A&M in a regular type of a season, they went down to A&M undefeated. And suffered their first loss, so A&M could become an undefeated, and they could suffer their first loss.
8: Yeah, and Tennessee had a huge emotional win the week before, as we all know. Had a couple of them, actually. And and then the air came right out of that balloon on the Vols. That's a very good stick by you, Bri. What do you think, Danny? Yeah,
4: I think Tennessee can win this game. Uh, if they're good enough to be undefeated at, at this and then like, like I mentioned, you, you yeah. have that off week right before this game. That, that definitely helps, especially going through a, your, your toughest stretch of games of the season uh, at that point. I think they'll be dialed in. It, it could be a little bit lower lower scoring game. Uh, maybe mid-30s for Tennessee, and who knows, maybe high-20s, low-30s for, for A&M. So where do you
8: want to go, like 38-28, 38-28, a- Dan? Uh, I,
4: I think maybe like 34-30, around that. Gaw!
8: That'll be a slobber Southeastern Conference football game if that comes to pass, a classic. Close your eyes and picture it in Nealon Stadium. Okay, here's where... Quoting uh, Maria Cornelius, here's where you pay the piper on October 21st. She tells us what was going to be I mean, the piper the next day. That was a great segment on WBR back in those of you remember. The inclined, as I like to say. At Alabama on Saturday, October 21, Danger Dan, what you got, brother?
4: Yeah, I, I think Tennessee wins this game, but this is definitely the, the hardest game to pick, and I wrestled back and forth with it, but to the point where you just have to I mean, Tennessee, numbers wise, from top to bottom on the roster I I think is uh, better at this point uh, compared to Alabama. Uh, I I think the quarterback play on paper right now, there's more confidence in Joe Milton compared to what Saban's going through. I mean, obviously he's got uh, a really good one deep at Alabama, the question is, will some of those younger guys uh, step up this season for, for Saban? He only brought in five transfers. He's got five returning starters on both sides of the ball. And just watching him during fall camp in press conferences, usually he, he, he uses press conferences, as we all know, to, to speak to his team, but it doesn't really seem like he used it for that measure. That he he was generally it seems like he was upset with his team just because they're young and they haven't they have not figured things out yet. I I just don't know where this Alabama team will be, especially at this point in the season. Uh, But and also being at practices, of course, we don't get to see much, but you do get to see a lot of the team chemistry and obviously what Josh Heupel has been able to do the two years he's been here and. Central Florida, Missouri, all that good stuff. And really, dating back to the three games ago, when he, when he had success against Saban, he, he beat them in the Sugar Bowl when he was at Oklahoma. So he's had success in three games against Saban, except for that second half in 2021 in Tuscaloosa. But that first half, if, if they just really had some dynamic playmakers, like they had a chance to step on the throat of Alabama and, and Saban's defense in that game. And Obviously, that fourth quarter did not turn out well, but I think it's almost an insult not to pick Josh Heupel and what he's been able to do, not just the last two years, but what he has going on in this fall training camp, and that's why I did pick Tennessee uh, to be Alabama this year.
8: Matt, thems are fighting words right there. Your thoughts on Danger Dan going into the danger zone Tennessee going to Tuscaloosa. Not only are they going to go to Gainesville and get a dub, they're going to go to Tuscaloosa and get a dub. When's the last time, guys, that happened in a football season here? Was that Casey Clausen era? Are we going back 03, to 2020? 03. 20 years ago. Matt Dixon, your thoughts on what Dan Harrelson just laid
9: down here? I, I like it. I, I hope Dan's right. Um, I, I I do think there's a lot of questions with, with Alabama, especially with the quarterback. And Heupel's offense has shown that they can score on Alabama, and if, they, if their quarterback is, they haven't figured it out by then. Uh, that that's a game that I do think Tennessee could go down there and just outscore them. Um, you know, no Bryce Young, so I, I like it. I, I like the optimism. I, I think there's a chance, a very good chance that that happens. So I, I, I probably wouldn't pick it, but I, I like Dan's optimism, and and I'm not going to question Dan because he was spot on last year. I know. Well, I, know. I will
4: say this about Bama also, one other thing. I mean, all due respect to Coach Saban, I mean, outside of 2020, which we all know that year was crazy, and they did win it all. Credit to them for beating Ohio State in the title game. But outside of that, he has not won a national title in a normal season since 17, and he was very, very fortunate to win that game as, as that Georgia game unfolded. So I don't know. It's sometimes, especially we've seen this with other coaches that reached that 70-year old uh, age in, in this profession, they don't have much success uh, once you hit 70. And who knows if he actually does win uh, another championship in a normal season going forward. Yeah, I don't
8: understand why people are picking them. There are people picking them, down to win it in the national media. And I just don't understand that. They don't have a national championship football team this year. I mean, I'm glad he's great. And I believe in him, and you believe in him. We all believe in him. But you got to have players, don't you? I mean, you just right. said they—they they brought in five transfers, five returning starters, both sides of the ball. And they're going—I mean, they're going to drop a couple games this year. They don't have enough football team to, to get through this thing,
4: do they? Right. And and the thing about this year with Josh Heifel, too—you you look at games like Florida and Alabama which those, obviously, like you mentioned, 20 years since you went at both of those places. He, this is not a throwaway year for Heifel in his mindset. Hey, The guy's a winner. He wants to compete. He thinks he can win with this team. He let Taven Jackson walk. Taven Jackson could have put together a pretty good season this year if he didn't have uh, confidence in Joe Milton. I, I just... It's not a throwaway year for him Going nope. based on his trust in this team, and it's the most stacked roster that they had or have at UT since 2016. I just think hey, he's got that mindset. He can win and beat anybody with this roster.
8: You bow your are having you say say his name. He's, he's bringing it at you in triplicate today. At Kentucky. By the way, what's the final score at a Bama game? We're just doing a fearless forecast here with Dan Harrelson. Uh, fifty-one forty-three. Matt, if the Vols score fifty-one points on Saban's defense down there, will he be ripping his hair plugs out the back of his hair by the late fourth quarter? Will he still have hair, or will his or will his hair plugs be showing?
9: Well, that, that's it. Thing about last year's game that I found really interesting was when when Jalen Hyatt was scoring five touchdowns. That's not what frustrated Saban. It was all the the pre snap stuff and and the special teams turnover. He almost felt resigned when when we were torching their secondary as if that was a coaching problem and not a player problem. So that and and you got to remember the Man of Steel's back down there in Tuscaloosa again this year too. So you'll have the the Nick Saban Kevin Steele defense, which. Tennessee could get in the 60s with that. (laughs) Who once once gave up 70 in a bowl game? (laughs) Poor
8: Kevin Steele. Oh, my gosh. Matt just goes hard on him. At Kentucky, here's all I hear about Kentucky from people like you, these these, um, prognosticators. Best offense they've ever had. Bring back the Tim Couch days. Uh, Liam Cohen's got a magic wand in his hand and a magical chart like Butch Jones. What say you? How about it, Dan?
4: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you're you're the head coach at Tennessee. You're you're supposed to never lose Kentucky and Vandy. I I think that was the case the last two years, uh, especially that game in Lexington. They were very, very fortunate to win that game, but that kind of set a mindset if you don't lose to Kentucky, especially under Josh Heupel. And LaTay Taylor obviously helped secure that win with the big defensive play. I think they win uh, again at uh, Kentucky. I do like how Liam Cohen is back. I do like him. I like the quarterback, Leary, that, that's coming in. But I just don't know if they can hang with, with Tennessee, maybe, maybe mid-40s to like 20, 45-20. I think Tennessee will win that game.
8: So you do think Kentucky's going to win some games?
4: Uh, Yeah, I I think they're probably around like eight, nine wins. I I think Vegas may even have have them like seven and a half or eight and a half wins. Uh, I forget, but that's probably on par for them this year. What
8: Would you say the number will be the final? Give me the final again.
4: Uh, I guess I'll go 45-20, Tennessee.
8: A highly entertaining segment from danger dan who last year i i mean i'm not gonna have him squeaking out a win he's got him blowing him i blown him out i I, listen i laughed at this guy last year now i don't think we're going to have the season he thinks we're going to have but i'm not going to dismiss him like matt said because this man has a track record this man called it he came on here last year and called it called the season right down the middle He said the Vols would be in the playoff conversation last year. I was like,
4: "What?" He
8: called the Bama game. So I'm I'm,
4: to be honest. Go ahead, uh, go ahead, Tony. uh, The 2021 year, the 75 year. That was I went 75 in that year, but I I had them beating Florida, losing Missouri. So it's not like last year was 10 2, obviously. But when you're picking these games, it's mostly about. The, the total amount of wins because it's it's it is kind of hard to to pick these games like you're, this you're gonna win here lose there win there oh yeah but it's, it's fun right right
8: we're just and, and and the listener knows that we're we're getting you a day closer to the football season don't go off you know jumping on over at Zen Sports and betting on what uh, Dan's throwing at you here that's what he's trying to tell you just don't you know everybody let's just. It realize this is entertainment purposes only, as we say in the trade. Brian, this UConn team, where did you said the athletic had a ranking of all these teams. This UConn team isn't the worst team on our schedule, are they, Brian? This Yukon bunch? No where are they?
11: As a matter of fact, they had them ranked eighty sixth out of one hundred thirty three and Virginia is ranked ninety sixth in that same thing. That same poll also had UMass 133rd, but that's going to, they're going to move up. So it's, it's a little bit, I don't know if any of the others have moved up or not, or if they've changed anywhere else. But yeah, that's, that'll be interesting to see if that still holds true as, as the season progresses.
8: So the Athletic has them ranked, uh, 86 out of 133, uh, 10 spots better than Virginia. Dan, does that surprise you?
4: With, with UConn?
8: But you're 10 spots higher than Virginia coming into the season by the athletic?
4: No, not at all. I Actually, uh, to be honest with you, this uh, coaching-wise, uh, I think UConn is probably going to be my favorite game, or it's up there if it's not the uh, favorite. The, the reason is I, I like Jim Mora, but I think he had an excellent hire in Nick Charleston, offensive coordinator. And they won six games last year. I think they did go to a bowl game. But uh, he was actually Water wide receivers coach, I think, in 16 and 17 when Liam Cohen was OC at Maine. And then when Cohen uh, started propelling his career out, outside of Maine, uh, eventually Charlton was the head coach there, did a really good job. And uh, he uh, left uh, Maine as a head coach and was first year OC under Mora his first year as head coach. So I'm really, really looking forward. I mean, Tennessee's going to win big in this game, but it is kind of cool to, to see Charleston and see what they can do, especially on a big big stage.
8: Well, it is cool. And, uh, and it's kind of fun to see Jim Moore, Jr. kind of humble himself and take that gig, man, you know? Because you know that's not an easy job. That cannot be an easy job, getting football players to play at the University of Connecticut.
4: Right, yeah, and I think they're, they're actually still independent, but I'm sure that's kind of hard not to have just a little bit of conference money coming in.
8: Final score?
4: Uh, I think we may see Tennessee getting to the 60s for the first time okay. if they don't do it actually against Virginia, but I do think they could run the ball a little bit more against Virginia, eat up some clock. Maybe that's why they don't get 60 in that game, but uh, I, I think maybe like... 63 to, to 13,
8: maybe. All right, I got you down. 40-point win. Missouri. next on the mic.
4: Yeah, so I, I love what Drake did in the offseason in, in terms of, he said he's given up play calling, which has got to be hard for him, but he does bring in Kirby Moore. Uh, from Fresno State as the office coordinator who will call plays. I, I think that's an excellent hire, but everybody keeps talking about A&M, Bobby Petrino, and, and Jimbo, if they can make it work. Can Missouri actually make this work? His drink, I mean, he does have a little bit of an ego also, just like Jimbo, if he can just steer clear and do the operational stuff, as, mm-hmm. as, as he mentioned, a CEO-type coach this year. Uh, I, I think it could be a transition-type year, even though their defense should be pretty good. I, I think Tennessee is good enough to, to beat them again for the third time under Heifel. I don't think it could be as bad as 2021 where things started to click for this Tennessee offense uh, under Heifel, but I, I think they could win uh, may, maybe a, a game in the 30s, to maybe low 30s for Missouri also or high 20s. Be interested to see what they do with the quarterback play. Also, I'm interested to see if Jake Garcia can keep moving up the uh, the depth chart there. The Miami transfer. Do
8: you think he's quarterback by then?
4: He could be. Yeah.
8: Um, you know the the thing about Mizzou is that they are such a strange, odd team to figure out. Um, and who knows how this game's going to go. I will say the game two years ago, we laugh at here, Dan, because I don't know if I've ever seen in my lifetime a defensive performance against Tennessee worse than that. Steve, that Steve Wilkes defense, you you talk about, like we use the term, it's probably politically incorrect, but like a Chinese fire drill. I mean, that was totally out of control, how bad they were. He should have been fired at halftime of that game.
4: Yeah, and Missouri, speaking of them, they do play at Athens at Georgia the week before hosting Tennessee. So who knows how banged up they'll be going into that game.
8: So we're going down the stretch here. The volunteers will now be, according to Danger Dan, and this is where we get into danger territory, one- no. 10 and O going to the Georgia Bulldogs.
4: Yeah, I think Tennessee is not there yet uh, against Georgia. I'm not 100%, 100% sold on Georgia this year. I, I don't think they three feet. But obviously, as we've all discussed this entire offseason, the schedule is pretty easy. This could be their toughest uh, task in, in the regular season. Maybe Florida can do something in a rival game, but probably not. Uh, I, I just think a lot of depth there, a lot of skill guys coming back. Uh, they, they only added four transfers, too, this offseason. So that kind of tells me that Kirby likes what this team has. Uh, the, the biggest question mark is Mike Bobo. I mean, can he kind of recreate magic? Because I, I know he's had some tough losses even though he's a really good football coach. He's had some tough losses uh, throughout the years, and and maybe this could be a hiccup game. I I don't know, but I I still – I'm not there yet to to pick Tennessee to win this game. It's kind of like the Pittsburgh situation last year. I I just knew if they could get by Pittsburgh and then Florida, Tennessee was just in in a really good spot. And and I think a little bit – is that way with Florida this year and especially how the schedule plays out for Tennessee, but I just, I, I can't pick this game as a win just yet. Maybe if things change during the season when we do weekly picks, but right now I'm, i want uh, to go Georgia to stay undefeated. Final score? Uh, I guess I'll go 34-24, Georgia.
8: Alright. 34-24, and then finally Vanderbilt Commodores, my good friend.
4: Yeah, I, I think. Uh, who had
8: uh, twelve thousand people at their game with Hawaii, Dan? Dan, did you think? Did you think the announced crowd of twenty-one thousand was accurate? No. No. Moving along. Do you believe there was over twenty thousand people there for the listener, Vandy Joe, who's trying to get a free lunch out of me? Uh, do you believe there was over twenty thousand there, Dan? Uh, No. no. Thank you. Joe, hey, Joe, nobody's buying your propaganda there, uh, Chemical Lolly. Uh, Continue, I mean Baghdad Bob, continue about Vanderbilt. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
4: Yeah, I I think it could be a mixture of the last two games uh, that High School played them. Maybe they could reach 60. We'll, We'll see. Uh, depends, it really, if you think about it, if you are 10 and 1 going into this game, there's still an outside shot like last year. If you just take care of the remaining game, you could be in the playoff. But the, the, the thing about this though, USC could be in the, in the playoff mix. They look really good. Actually, I have them in the playoffs in my preseason. Michigan could be there. And then the SEC winner. And then, if Clemson or Florida State can run the table, if they're undefeated, they're not going to leave them out. And who knows, maybe Notre Dame's in that mix with Hartman at quarterback. But it makes you wonder if you're 10-1, and 1, maybe you put up a late touchdown like they did against Missouri last year to run it up. Because you never know, they could back in to the playoff, but we'll see how many undefeated teams are actually out there at this point. But I I think Tennessee, with that being said, maybe like 59 to to 13 or something like that. Matt,
8: do you get the point that Josh Heupel respects this Clark uh, Lee guy and is afraid of him and afraid to roll it up on him if it comes to that,
9: Matt? I mean, I, I don't think Heupel has a problem running it up on anybody. But especially this year when you can showcase Nico a little bit.
8: Exactly. I mean, we're going to do our season total show Thursday. So, Dan, I'm going to give you a vote. How many touchdown passes for Nico this year, Dan? Season totals.
4: Oh, that's a good question. It's a great question. Oh, We all know he's going to play, right? Even if Joe, good or bad. He's that's right. Going
8: he's going to throw it around. That's exactly. And when he plays... Unlike a lot of backups at a lot of places, they're not going to run the string out. That's what I love about Heupel. Heupel is going to play for keeps because he might not make it back.
4: The only thing that kind of keeps me puzzled, because I think he would be really good working alongside Joe Milton and uh, situational stuff within uh, the same drive. But with their tempo, it kind of got me puzzled because, I don't think Heifel would stop the tempo and allow the defense to substitute just to get Nico in to do a certain package. So may, I'm, I'm, I mean, 12 games, I'm sure it's going to happen on the same drive at some point. But I think if Nico does play, which he, which like we said, he will, I, I think it's just going to be a, a drive and a possession by himself. Uh, maybe that changes throughout the season, but. To answer your question, I, I think 10 seems like a good number. Just because Virginia, Austin Peay, those type games, you can probably get one or two here and there. But 10 is a lot, though, especially if oh. in time with Milton.
8: I got you down, my brother. Tell the living listener the coordinates, how they can find you over at Vols Wire. appreciate TLD Logistics online, tldlogistics.com, for presenting Dan Harrelson today. Hit it, my man.
4: Yeah, Uh Just glad the season's here. We've been covering a lot of the fall camp. And just really uh, glad to see that these week one games are about to kick off and it should be a fun season for Tennessee again.
8: Yeah, week zero sucked. Even you have to admit it was pretty bad, and you're a degenerate for the stuff.
4: So I was thinking, like you said, it, it was just not a good game. No. The week zero, but. It kind of makes you think. Well, with the Pac-12 collapsing and all this realignment, we could it could be a benefit to, with the realignment, so we can have really good Week Zero, Week Ones, hot games going forward. So we don't have to go through uh, just you know bad games uh, from the get go.
8: That's a really good point. I mean, with these TV networks paying more and more money for this stuff, you would have to think they're going to demand something better in Week Zero than that game that umass game being on on espn i mean are you kidding dan harrelson thank you brother good talking to you all right thank you matt is he on and i love him because i would never speak ill of a guest who i love but is he on planet earth is he like breathing air i i think so i love him
9: same thing about him last year
8: i love him i would never criticize A guy that comes on here last year and called it right down the middle. The man called balls and strikes and called the season. I I just, I just, I I mean, I'm on. We'll come back on the other side and continue after this.
2: And now the best man. Uh, I was gonna plan this
11: speech out while I got my oil change, but I went to take five and it was a lot faster than I thought, so here it goes. Okay. Tim, you were my first friend. Angela, you were my first. <laughs> yeah, I never thought the two of you would make it, but I guess love really is blind. <laughs> no, 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 I mean in a good way.
7: At take five, your oil changes faster than you think. Take five, the stay in your car 10 minute oil change. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee.
8: So, a guy that we're blessed to have on the program who's going to be a great resource for us as we go along this football season, Robert Kowalski joins us, a.k.a. Keller Kowalski, who's the odds maker with Zen Sports. And, um, Robert, we are through week zero it was kind of unwatchable football for the most part but i bring you in against the backdrop that one of the discussions we had yesterday and we had a robust conversation regarding this is the new clock rules after week zero robert kowalski i welcome you in what did you make of the new uh, brand of football that's going to be played in college football this year with the running clock
12: Tony, Tony, thank you again so much for having me on. Uh, It's always a pleasure and honor to join. And you're absolutely right. And obviously, you know, it's a pretty significant uh, NCAA rule change. uh, You know, to to review it again, the clock's going to continue to run, you know, as it does in the pros where, you know, if a team makes the first down on a play that ends inbounds rather than, you know, stopping until the chains are set and then the referee signals, you know, ready for play, uh, we're moving on. Clock runs. Uh, the only exception is, of course, during the last two minutes of the second and fourth quarters. Uh, and so week, I guess, like, yeah, we're going to call it week zero, right? That's what we always do now. In week zero, we've seen some anomalies to what I am used to, to what all of us here, you know, in sports betting are used to. So I broke it down, and it looks like about 65% of the teams ran less than 65 offensive plays, Tony. Now, these new rules, yeah, they are going to have a real impact on pace, plays, you know, and, and of course, possession. So I, I, I want to see, for me, I always do cause and effect. From a bookmaking perspective, you, you have to because you don't also want to overreact to what you saw. And so when you look at the pace that was being run, so in 2021, uh in the first week of college football, the possessions per team per game was 12.3. 2022, it increased, 12.6. And then we took a cliff dive on Saturday down to 10.9. So it's wow. clearly, clearly the new rules with a continuous clock after a first down are effectively reducing the game by three total offensive possessions per game.
8: Let me bring Matt Dixon in here, who's an astute observer of this thing and really hates it matt does that surprise you we're down a couple of possessions already because the and i'm reading something here from dat gum box scores on x twitter who says that uh 63.3 plays per game with an average game time of three hours and 24 minutes through seven games last year. Eight hundred ninety six games played at the Division one level. Average of sixty eight point seven plays per game. Average duration three hours twenty seven minutes. Robert saying, uh, Robert Kowalski, Matt, that the real ingredient here baked in is going to be the number of possessions, not the number of plays. It's kind of an interesting way of looking at it, Matt. Um, f- from my perspective. Um, Matt tells me he's indisposed here momentarily Robert that's really interesting so from your standpoint it's more than counting plays it's counting possessions is that kind of where you are on this
12: always right yeah right Tony I I look at possessions and I, I want to figure out if, if what the school's done in the offseason will account for of course I mean the coaching staff for every school is very aware of, of yeah. the changes. And what they'll need to do to adjust. Now, I feel, so let's take a look, you know, quickly. Let's go back to the game that was played on Saturday. USC and San Jose State. Right. So yeah, I mean, look, it's a home game. You know, USC clearly a massive favorite. Caleb Williams was barely tested. He was 18 to 25, 278 and four touchdowns. So why were they really revving, especially in the second half? <laughs> I don't don't know if I've ever seen anything like this in a while, Tony, but 12 wide receivers caught a pass in the game for USC. And then if you go and dig a little deeper, no turnovers, no interceptions, no fumbles lost. So that, I think, if we're going to take away one thing today for our listeners, when you break down a game from a betting perspective, take a look and see just how well-tuned they are, how effective efficient they are that's going to be the key to success this year i think more than ever now that that clock is running
8: which is a really good point because you know we were talking about this yesterday from a tennessee perspective and Mm -hmm. yesterday josh heupel was asked at his press conference by local uh, writer adam sparks who does a really great job he joins us a bunch and he's a real blessing to us but Adam asked him, you know, Tennessee's without their center right now, and they're going to be Saturday without Mays, even though they're not saying that, but, but he's not going to play in the game. So he was asked, is it more about pace for you, or is it more about execution? And Heupel said a combination of the two, but really at the end of the day, you can go as fast as you want to go, but if you're going to get fewer, if you're right and this holds and you're going to get the ball fewer times, You have to execute when you touch it. So it's going to be, um, it really does bear watching going forward your number versus the number that's out there. And do that one more time. So you you went back two years, and I'm going to write this down and get this on the blog tomorrow and and, and get this uh, attributed to you one more time. Give me that. Week zero over week zero over week zero, going back a couple years. Go ahead, Robert Kowalski. Exactly right.
4: So Go ahead.
12: 2021, Tony, 12.3 total possessions per game. 2022, 12.6, right? Just more adjustments to, to the current status of the game. And here we are at 10.9 last Saturday, clearly seeing that the new rule changes with that continuous clock after a first down, are effectively reducing the game by, uh, let's call it, three total offensive possessions per game.
8: Do you expect that these coaches will adjust and figure out, because guys like Heupel, the mad scientist guys, want to get their hands on the ball, obviously, as much as they can. Will they figure out a way to adjust um, Robert to that, or do you think this is the
12: hand they're dealt and they're going to have to play it? The, The very good... To great programs, absolutely will. As a matter of fact, they probably already have, and we haven't even seen it yet. Of course. <laughs> In jest. Week zero reminder. Yeah, your school, your team's probably not as good or as bad as you think they are. Right? They'll probably have a little bit of an adjustment to the norm and say, hey, wait a second. We didn't get, I mean, I'm sorry, Navy, but I, I, I got to do it here. I mean, you barely get enough possessions as it is. I mean, You gotta really be efficient. And they were. It's just that they just, they were really outplayed. Really, really. I mean, you go out and you play a Notre Dame team. Of course, by the way, this is an aside. Uh, I'm looking at their box score. Fighting Irish, they didn't throw to a single tight end all running backs and wide receivers wow
8: when's the last time mark bovaro where are you we need you brother
12: that's incredible man when was the last time that happened in college football i don't
4: know wow so
12: these are the things that i look at right so you know you ask you know i, I always get so many questions like how do you do this how do you break down the number how is it that you set a total of 49 and it lands 48 uh these are the things that I look at. I, I I go deeper into the game once it's played on on Sunday morning, and I say, okay, well, I was right here, I was right there, I was very wrong there, and, and here's why. And and so that's exactly how I break down games so that I can make small adjustments. You don't want to overreact to anything, uh, and, and so that's actually something that I'm noticing as we take a look at into much of an adjustment we're starting to see surprise surprise tony they're all betting the unders
8: (laughs) well yeah i mean and that's our thing i had in our blog today over at uh, t Team. the unders are unders were four and three this week right and so the better now thinks and we had nashville lee on here and you'll get to know him on our winners and losers program you'll get to know lee but one of the things that he was talking about was that Joe public's going to feel like man we have an edge here on these unders but he said guys that do what you're doing are going to adjust rather quickly to the data and he would advise, he would advise the gambler to be pretty careful uh, if they think they've they found the loophole here with the unders what do you say
12: please please understand I've already baked the number in you're right by the time that you're reading the news, it's, it's already been adjusted to it because when we look at totals, those are the, those are the sides rather the sides, uh, when we come up with, uh, over under projections, you're, you're already understanding that I've already made a projection and an adjustment by Monday morning. So what you're seeing today is, is already a, a fresh new layer of paint over what we've opened at. And it's, you know, there's, there's, I mean, Tony, as I'm looking right now at at my menu for this weekend, it's one, two, three, there's another four, ten, ten different adjustments that I've made to totals already just off of realizing that we've got a new set of rules to play this game.
8: You know, when you and I talk next week, that possessions per game number, Obviously, that's a small sample size. Obviously, the, the Navy game is going to bring that total way down. Exactly. Right? So, you know, we can't jump to conclusions with any of these numbers. I mean, it's admittedly a small sample size. What do you think it ends up becoming? A possession a game? Two possession? Like, at the end of the year, or will there be no change year over year? What do you, what do you think ends up happening?
12: That's actually a great point, Tony. I I think that we're going to see an an assist. I think, the, like I said, the very good programs, the ones that are you know run by those are, you know clearly have a a very good firm grip over how adjustments could be made. You know, yeah. uh, you know the, the TCU's, the Georges, you know, right. Gundy at Oklahoma State, our guy here, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. they already have that baked in, and so you're going to look at. How how can we make things better for our program? So uh, maybe Gundy makes an offensive emphasis, you know, where are we going to upgrade the run game or, or even here locally? You know, it, it, you may not have been ranked high when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the run game and the efficiency there. But what you can do is make an adjustment and so that you know, if once you reach the second half of the game, go and run the ball, keep that clock running protect your lead and then close out the game
8: yeah that's that the thing that's really going to be interesting this year is the teams that have less but feel like they can run the ball like the florida gators from the outside looking in look like they're built to hopefully in their perspective get a 10 point lead on you in the third quarter run the ball run the ball run the ball play keep away run the clock out now can you do that against a team like Tennessee? That remains to be seen. Right. You get them in your building. You get a little weather, or it's hotter than Blue Blazes there. All, you know, you're in front of your crowd. All those things come into play. Um, but that's the thing this year. Under the old rules, you couldn't do that. Nope. Under these rules, you have a chance to do that. If you can go that route, if you can play that way. Robert, I think personally, and, and I'm going to have an argument with, with Matt and Brian here when I, when when you get when we get off the air with you, but I think the fact that um, you can play games differently now, if you choose to, uh, offensively, I think it's going to make the sport more volatile. Is it going to make it more volatile on your end? I think it's going to make, make it more fun to watch, kind of like baseball this year. All the baseball games were starting to look the same before they um, changed the rules. Now that they've changed the rules, which I was not in favor of the rule changes initially, very resistant to change, but it's made the game better. Do you believe, Robert, as a product, this rule change makes the game better, or do you think it makes it worse inevitably?
12: On on all factors, I think it makes the game better. It's Look, this, this sport is a, a brutal, brutal game that leads to injuries yep. time and time again. So just from, from a, a top level down, let's just step, step aside from the, the bookmaking part of it. Less plays, less chance of breaking your body in half, right? And that's something that I'm always in a favor of. Sure, you, you don't see more football, but at the same time, yeah, you know, I think it was like, what are we looking at, almost three and a half hours? of, of college football, you know, and on average for a game, it'll cut that time down. Of course it has to. It's just the way it's going to be. And the good programs will still have some really great electrifying plays. Yep. They'll win the games that they're supposed to. Uh, and then ultimately you're going to find we're, we're going to have more playoff games, Tony. We already know that yes. we're getting more games. So more games, you, you gotta have, you gotta have people that are healthy that you know we're going to have a program that's in place that can make it to the end we don't want this to become a war of attrition to the end we want everyone healthy and you know to get there and so we could see the best of the best against each other you know without any kind of a key injury
8: the great robert keller kowalski give me a couple games this weekend but i want to ask you what's your latest information on the utah game which is played uh, in a few days, and we're all going to have our eyes on it. Florida is at Utah Thursday night. You talk about a banger on a Thursday night. Oh, yeah. Um, what's the latest information you have on Rising and his status?
12: So, as we know, uh, he's coming off the torn ACL, suffered you know, way back in January. I would like to say that I don't know much about sports medicine. I may play one. Uh, a doctor of such on TV. <laughs> so when you look at, you know, coming back from it and you see him in spring, I didn't quite see a 100% cam rising there. However, the status is, of course, still a mystery. Uh, that's made the market crash the number all the way down to Utah 5. Uh, and then now it's snapped back to 7. So I don't think that... we're. I mean, look, we're not going to see any kind of a depth chart, you know, anytime soon, uh, listing rising as the starter. But I have a feeling that uh, there's no real indication that he's been cleared to practice as well. Uh, Whittingham he, he himself has already told the media he's not making a decision until 10 minutes before. Nope. So they're going to see some fireworks to the line as well. But like well, we've started off our segment here, Tony, the total, I set it at 50.5 points. We're, we're down to 44-and-a-half. So we, we could go ahead and, and add two things to that. One, the time, of course. The the, the, the clock, of course, is going to be a factor. But cam So with that being said, I'm leaning towards him not playing rather than playing. But if he does, we're not going to see him at full efficiency, and, and that's going to play a big factor against the Gators.
8: You know, that was um... – something Matt Dixon said last hour, and I was looking at it. He ran for close to 100 yards last year Mm -hmm. in that game in a loss where they kind of stubbed their toe and sort of threw the game away. Um, There's no way, even if he plays, I mean, and look, neither one of us are inside the kid's body, but unless they're snowing the world or he's the fastest healer known to mankind, there's just no way he's going to run around like that.
12: Thank you, Tony. Yep.
8: So... That creates an interesting um, decision for people that want to play that game and have some fun while they're watching it. you have any suggestions on it?
12: Right. I, I would. I would definitely, if, if you want to get uh, any kind of of an angle on the game, everything is going to circle around rising. So, again, like we said, that, that 50.5, it's gone. We're not here to talk about a number that's dead that's and gone. At 44.5, though, What's the worst thing that could happen? I think that we've reached the floor on that total. I don't see it going lower at all. Uh, 45 is actually, (laughs) I thought 45 was definitely going to be the floor, but it cracked down to 44 and a half, a key number, 45. I would lean, if I had any kind of inclination, I would look to go over that total right now. So if you wanted to have a position, that's where it would be because News comes out, hey, uh, Whittingham says, you know, he, here's my guy. We're good to go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's 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 going to absolutely affect the total far more than the side, and I think it would climb right at game time. So that would probably be my position right there, Tony.
8: Killer Kowalski, high noon. By the way, he's with Zen Sports. High noon, the Vols in Virginia. Uh, Saturday in Nashville. It's actually – I guess it would be an eleven o'clock start there. Um, from your perspective, the line here, uh, from where you opened it to where it currently sits, where do you currently have it, and what's the what's the best play on the board? Do you feel like in this one?
12: So we opened this up uh, quite a long time ago, uh, and this this, this is a, it's been on the board since middle of June. As a yeah. matter of fact, yeah, I opened it. Vols 30 and the total 58. <laughs> I wish I didn't put that 58 and a half up. You know, the, the side of course is, is one thing that we could chat about, but it's the total. And it, again, seeing what happened and I, I don't want to go and, and overreact to it too much. However, uh, first game, uh, offensive line concerns for yeah. so the vols. I, I want to see that there's, there's really good pass protection on the first Redrives, yeah. Then I would feel a lot better about my uh, my total that we set up. However, that being said, right now uh, twenty seven and a half uh, oh. is what the evolve are favored by with a total fifty six. So uh, you know, a, a clear indication that the total is uh, it, it's probably going to settle right around that number. And if I feel that everything plays to itself, we'll know an awful lot. Of where the program is from an efficient standpoint, uh, you know, right around, I'd say three minutes left in the first quarter. Tony,
8: no doubt about it. I mean, you'll get a real sense because the thing about Virginia is, and and we we all know this. They don't. They're not going to have much offensively, but they're pretty good uh, yes. defensively. Their their front seven's okay. Their defensive line is pretty good. So um, you know, comparatively. Uh, in terms of uh, they probably have a above-replacement-level defensive line in Division One football. So if Tennessee's not on it with their offensive line, they might be able to expose that. Although, the stuff that Josh Heupel wants to do with Milton and those receivers is so quick. That, and it's so unconventional compared to years past where if you had offensive line concerns in a game like that, you could get exposed. I don't think that's the case here. But you know what? It's why you play the game. It's why this stuff is so interesting. And, Robert, you've been great today. Is there anything else you'd care to add on the way out? And I appreciate you chit-chatting with us on some of the uh, inside way the, the, the cake is baked here.
12: Thank you so much, Tony. And, and that's exactly it. I If it's one thing that I I always want to ensure at the end of our show is that I I left something out there for everyone to say, hey, uh, this is actually a way I didn't quite look at the game or maybe the sport, uh, you know, from my perspective. And and maybe we could take a look at it from a different way. And so that's what I hope to do uh, every single time I'm on, Tony. And I, I honestly think as we look towards week number two, definitely play a little game with yourself. Set aside what you think this game will end up closing at. Have your idea. Don't go by someone else's that you might see in the news. Get as much information as you can. Write down what you want to say that this will be the final score and then work backwards from there. That's how you become a a far more efficient handicapper of a game. And then you could find yourself finding some real good closing line value as we go into this football season.
8: You might turn me into uh, into somebody that's uh, semi-smart on this stuff before it's over, because I have to tell you oh, what, oh. man. I've been an absolute guy on here for all these years, flying blind. I've got a couple people, uh, Robert, down through the years who send me a nice cash tip at the end of the year because they found that playing against me is a wonderful way to make a lot of money. So I've, I really have. I've gotten some tips down through the years uh, because uh, I just, you know, I, I you know, I'm a paisan. I I couldn't find a family member in Chinatown, you know, Uh, the way I've gone down through the years. But, uh, Robert, my best to you. Keep it up at Zen Sports. Thank you, brother. Cheers, Tony. You're the man. Yes, sir. Uh, 865-200-5402. It's an interesting thing to think about. You know, it's only three or four plays, but it turned out to be a couple of possessions over the weekend. And will that hold true? Will these new rules slow these games down? Or will guys like Josh Heupel find a way to press right on through? Now, Heupel, when asked about it leading up to the season, has been pretty nonplussed in the press. He hasn't been critical of it. He's been, well, whatever. Because the big deal to Tennessee would be if they ever start screwing around with the hash marks. That'd be the big deal here. I mean, Matt, that's kind of so, isn't it? The the clock changes are one thing. But if they ever got around to screwing around with the hash marks, that's where I, I think a lot of his secret sauce is. But that's my sense of that. What do you think,
9: Matt? No, I, I definitely think they used the hash marks to their advantage with the wide splits and just creating open space. So that's would be something you hope that d- doesn't happen um, anytime soon. So, I mean, the, I don't think the clock stuff affects Tennessee as, as much with their offense. Now, they'll obviously just get fewer plays per game because because of the rules, but it doesn't yeah. really affect Tennessee very much in terms of what they do execution-wise with their offense. So, well, But I, I, it, it is a way to slow Tennessee down.
8: And that's the thing. Like, now a Florida of the world who this year is going to be forced to play slow, we think, because of their personnel. Then again, they could hit the field Thursday, and we could see they have world beaters and world-class speed, and, you know, who knows? Uh, college football is crazy. Conventionally think speaking, this would give an Alabama with Milrow a chance to run around, r- run if they want to, like an option-type offense, if they decide on him. If he's the quarterback in the Tennessee game or even if he's not, they could use him in a few series to kind of slow the game down, run the ball, play keep away, those sorts of things. At least that avenue is open to you now, which, Matt, I think makes it a better game. I-, I think the possibility of having games that look different, I think that's always been college football strength down through the years. So, so less could be actually more here, Matt. Are you open to what I'm saying or, or are you going to stay with your horrendous take on this through the through the preseason?
9: Well, they're moving to closer to the NFL by not stopping the clock after first downs. I I just think fewer plays. You know, is you know, not. I, I prefer to play as much as possible, and we're, we're taking plays away from the game. And I just I just don't like that. So,
8: what I find I, I, ironic. Also, yeah. we could
9: get a few extra. Uh, tv commercials then and that is not really shortening the game that is the point they're just adding commercials
8: that's now that is one thing right there that i'll agree with with matt because if you look at time game time for instance baseball i watched the sillies last night okay pretty high scoring game game was played in like two hours and 35 minutes pretty high scoring game two hours and 35 minutes last week Uh, average duration of game uh, through seven games, three hours and 24 minutes. Last year's three hours and 27 minutes. So what happened? Well, we ran less plays, but we ran more commercials. So I'm not going to let these people fool me because that is what they're doing. We ran less plays, but we ran more commercials. That has to be what we did, Matt, right? If you're going to tell me that we ran less plays, but we're all, we're only talking about three minutes. three minutes, three minutes is how long it takes to uh, cook something in
9: a microwave oven. That's what this is about, three minutes. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, you're not. You're not shortening the game, and and you can't make the baseball comparison because there was already a, a quote unquote pitch clock in football with the play clock. Yep. So it it wasn't like you're speeding up the the plays. You're just taking them away so unlike baseball there wasn't really a great way to shorten games which i will i do admit is a problem but they're, what they're doing is not really a solution
8: brian had a great point yesterday if you want to speed college football up and i think it was rusty and i gave rusty attribution today albeit begrudgingly in the blog as i wrote the following over at tclub.team today the caller Rusty in California actually had a pretty good point for once in his life. Brian, that's what I wrote today. Do you find that to be a cheap shot when he talked about the fact that when these, when these officials go under the hood or look at, the, um, look at replay, they ought to get a 60-second time limit, and that's it. You get 60 seconds to make a decision or the play stands on the field. I think that's correct. Because, look, you're trained to see it in real time. You shouldn't have to run it back, 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 back for seven minutes. Seven minutes. No, you get a minute. And if you can't call it within a minute, the play stands. I, uh, I think that was a little bit of a cheap
11: shot Tone, to say he, for once in his life, made a good point.
8: Well, I love Rusty. He's my guy. He's got some pretty big arms on him he's pretty big felt but he's you know he's a couple thousand miles away and you know i had a nun one time and she had a saying and it was empty barrels make the most noise and uh well, if the shoe fits wear it more after this
5: this is big lou maddox and you're listening to the best radio in southern middle tennessee wkom 101.7 fm columbia
1: Hey, this is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Come see us Saturday, September 9th, and let your first cookout be on us. With the purchase of any grill, you will receive an Omaha Steaks voucher for 12 steak burgers and 12 beef francs free. We also will have hamburgers for the first 100 customers between 11 and 2 until we run out. Come see us Saturday, September 9th at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard, Columbia, Tennessee.
6: The fair is back. Murray County Fair returns August 31st to September 4th. Rodeo air, jump and run competitions, and motocross. Check out live exotic animals and science shows in the free kids zone. And enjoy all the carnival rides, games, and food you know and love. Livestock shows, exhibitor competitions, the rodeo, and so much more. Don't miss the Murray County Fair, August 31st to September 4th. On Facebook and Instagram at Murray County Fair and Exposition and online at murraycountyfair.com.
3: Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee.
8: TB back with you on the one, the only, the show, the record, on a Tuesday. Here's the, here's the deal. You know, we are all sitting here, Okay. And we're trying to um, sort of get it done, you know, and get through our week. And we're counting down the hours to the kickoff on Saturday. I want to encourage you to consider a, a great thing you could do with your week is we're not going to have many more opportunities to see our Tennessee Smokies. And they're at home this week. And Lindsey's here to break it down Scientifically. Lindsay, welcome in. How you doing?
10: Thank you so much. Happy to be here.
8: Absolutely outstanding. Share with us what's on on tap, this homestand.
10: Oh, we have so much as usual. This is our second-to-last homestand of the season. So you're definitely not going to want to miss out on these games. Tonight, we have Kids Run the Bases. It's not raining here right now, so we're just going to have to wait and see. Hopefully, we can get a baseball game in today. But we have Kids Run the Bases. We have... Some awesome stuff during the week. We have Fruits and Veggies Night on Wednesday.
8: Fruits and Veggies Night. All right. Brian, what's your favorite yeah. fruit? Uh, uh, strawberries, apples, blueberries, cherries. That's four things. Matt, do you have a favorite well, fruit? Got to eat more
11: than one fruit. To be healthy. <laughs>
9: you like six. Um, strawberries are good, but I'll go with a, a nice orange.
8: I love a great orange. I'm a watermelon person myself. Prefer seeded to seedless, but uh, the seeded, seedless watermelons are sort of everywhere. But I'm a seeded watermelon person. That is a delight of this time of the year. How about you, Lindsay?
10: I think I'm a strawberry person. Strawberries and just like any berry, really.
8: Ooh, I, I eat blueberries every day. So
10: Yeah, that's um, what I go
8: for. Strawberries, I don't know. I just don't... Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, um, so vegetable, okay, I'm a tomato person as a vegetable or red peppers. How about you? I think
10: broccoli. Wow. I think really for broccoli, I know, kind of a Bro- wild card. But...
8: Broccoli gets a vote.
10: Yeah.
8: How about you, uh, Dixon? Do you have a favorite vegetable?
9: Uh, I probably eat broccoli the most of of vegetables, but I I do like I do like bell peppers like you, Tone. Mm.
8: How about you, Bry? I like broccoli, green beans. Oh, I love green beans. I love peas and too, mushrooms. by the way. I'm a big peas person, but but I will tell you this little trivia: a tomato is a fruit and a vegetable. Look it up. Moving along, yeah, it is. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, we don't we don't dispense misinformation on here, despite what people think. Lindsay, uh, when is Fruit and Vegetable Night?
10: That is this Wednesday, the thirtieth. Presented by Food City, it's going to be a very fun time.
8: Do we throw tomatoes at people that night?
10: We do not. But all of our in between inning games and stuff are all using fruits and veggies, so it's not just your typical game. They're all themed, of course.
8: Do we throw avocados at people?
10: I mean, you can do whatever you want.
8: But do, you we encourage, do we encourage that? Can you imagine, Matt, if you tried to do something like that in Philly? They've had to the stop dollar dog night up there because people were having hot dog wars, like loading those things with mustard and firing them at each other. Those people up in those parts just cannot behave. Uh, Lindsay, what is... Better, better mustard than ketchup. What is Thursday... Lindsay?
10: Thursday, we have Sweet and Salty Night, for <clears throat> by Central Creamery. So keeping along with our food theme, we're celebrating ice cream, peanuts, popcorn, all the sweet and salty things that you can get at the ballpark.
8: I am a big fan of uh, rolled gold pretzels mixed in with vanilla and chocolate ice cream. That is a jam. I love the sweet and the salty. Oh, it's a total jam. That is a jam. What is your favorite sweet and salty combination?
10: I don't know. I don't usually have a sweet tooth. I'm more of a salty, spicy type of person. So I honestly kind of avoid sweets in general. Good for you. I try my best. But you never know. I mean, with Thursday's game, I might have to break my rule.
8: Well... Matt Dixon, do you have a sweet and salty combination you'd care to share?
9: Uh, Not really. I'm kind of limited because I'm allergic to peanuts, so that that takes a lot of stuff like that out.
8: Darn it, because you can't enjoy a peanut buster parfait from like a Dairy Queen, which was another jam back in the day. Moving along, Uh, so that's Wednesday. What's, What's up on tap on Thursday?
10: Sweet and salty Thursday, fruits and veggies Wednesday. And then Friday, we have Murder Mystery Night. It was one of our fan favorites from last season, so we are bringing it back. We have three suspects. There's been a crime committed. And as the night moves along, we'll get more pieces of the story, and then the fans are going to have to decide who the criminal was.
8: That is a great idea. Do you have a favorite uh, detective show, Lindsay, towards that end?
10: I really like Chicago PD.
8: Okay,
10: I've just recently starting started watching Criminal Minds. I'm a little behind the trend on that one, but I'm okay. working my way through that. Uh,
8: Matt Dixon, do you have one?
9: well um, oh, I watch a ton of them. Criminal Minds is a great one. Uh, you'll really enjoy it. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I, I always. I used to watch that Unsolved Mystery Show growing up, and I discovered it's on Peacock and. I've, for some weird reason, I, I've been watching some of those That gives lately. me
8: nightmares, man, knowing those people are still out there that have done all that heinous stuff. I like crimes that get solved, Lindsay. Like, it yeah, would be the terrible. Mysteries yeah.
10: are hard because well, I want to know what happened. Well,
8: that's right. And in the ninth inning, you know, how about if you guys did a swerve on your crowd and said, we don't know? Oh, I
10: don't know how that would go. That would be kind of a plot twist.
8: That's what I'm saying.
9: The, the killer's yeah. still in the crowd.
8: Yeah, the killer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just blame Eris.
10: Exactly. Yeah. He looks capable of it. I think is actually the detective, so he's going to be figuring out who did it.
8: I know, but he's highly looks detect. He looks capable of anything. Uh, okay, what so what? The
10: plot with. the detective did it.
8: Interesting. So, what about Saturday?
10: Saturday, we have a lot going on. It is wrestling night at the ballpark, so we have <laughs> all kinds of wrestlers here that they're doing post-game wrestling at Smoky Stadium once the game concludes. We also have a T-shirt giveaway, the first 1,000 fans presented by Senior Benefit. And we have a post-game fireworks show.
8: Wow. Okay, so will the guys be wrestling while the fireworks are going off? Because that would be the height of uh, Pretty Next Level.
10: (laughs) I don't think so. I think that's a safety hazard here. But it will be the post-game fireworks show, and then immediately following, the wrestling will take place.
8: You are greatly appreciated. Anything else you'd care to add? If folks want to get tickets or learn more, how do they do it?
10: You can go to smokiesbaseball.com or find us on any social media platform at Smokies Baseball.
8: You know how old I am? My favorite uh, mystery murder mystery show, or whatever that is, is Matlock. <laughs> what does that say about me? Matt, how uh, like outdated am I saying that out loud? I know I'm going to get drugged. But Andy Griffith is the man, and Nancy Stafford, and all those people. I I, I love Matlock. Matt, is,
9: is there a is Matlock? Y5-0 is there a Matlock Reddit forum?
8: Say, Hawaii Five O is a great show, Brian. The old with Jack Lord. Book them, Lindsay, you're the best. I appreciate you. I didn't mean to scream. Book them, In your ear. Know that you're appreciated, and, and thank you for your day. Thank you all so much for having me. Thank you. She's uh, wonderful when she comes on here. Eris needs to, um, oh, I don't know, stay away.
9: How, how would a murder mystery night go in Philly?
8: You could do one every night there.
9: I mean, there might be a real murder.
8: That's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm a more, I'm a I'm What you do is you get back around to that. And you go, "Hey, we don't know who did it. See ya. Have a good night. Get in your cars and go home. Fight about it. We have no idea who did it. We've determined that there's no way to determine who did it. The question is, who killed this show? Was it our first segment? Was it Brian? Was it Danger Dan? I'm going to ask, uh, by the way, when we get to our TLD Logistics Overdrive Overtime, uh, which comes your way, and we'll take some calls, and we've got some folks through Twitter Spaces that want to speak as well. I want to make sure you head over to tclub.team today. Please head over there. Check out our blog. There are several items there I want to call your attention to, including the fact that we're on Twitch every day, including the fact that Twitter Spaces is a great way to consume the program. And remember, with the post game coming up, great way to get in on the show as well. We need your tickets for the Amachi tailgate for the kids. It's the UConn game in November. A. Race fans, race fans, race fans, and we desperately need your tickets for that. Spread the name, spread the spread the word for us. Say the name, say the name, say the name. In the meantime, I want to thank uh, our guest today.